The automobile is one of the most important inventions that revolutionized the modern world. In America, the rich history of car culture runs deep as technology continues to shape the future of the industry. Jason Stein is here to share the stories of people passionate about cars, from industry leaders and innovators to car-obsessed celebrities. Buckle up as Jason takes you inside the boardroom, onto the track, and around the bend on Cars and Culture on Sirius XM Business Radio. Welcome to the 139th episode of Cars and Culture on Sirius XM. It's good to have you back listening again. I'm your host, Jason Stein. Imagine having the desire to be a mechanic on the only vehicle that ever mattered to you. To attend a prestigious college. To be the recipient of an illustrious scholarship. Then to be selected as one of a handful of people to earn the right to turn your secret hobby into a full-blown career in restoration. Imagine being Ferrari fan Victoria Bruno in exactly that position. Ask her, as we did, and she'll tell you that even she couldn't imagine where this auto industry road would take her to arguably one of the best shops in America, if not the world, and to have the desire to be the go-to mechanical restorer everywhere. If you want your vintage Ferrari engine rebuilt, you'll want her to do it. If not today, then certainly eventually. But beyond that, this female Ferrari phenom is also living the dream of anyone who wants an unconventional career, blazing a path for others to follow, and proud of it. Cars and culture, she knows it all. She dreams of fixing Ferrari 500 TRCs, or 275 4 cams, or 275 GTB 4Ss. With her position at the prestigious Patrick Otis Company, one of the leading restorers in the world, she's turning wrenches daily and influencing a generation of women and men. Her social media accounts boast hundreds of thousands of followers, people who want to do the same thing that she's doing. There's no question she's at the center of the Ferrari influencer movement, surrounded by dedicated followers who want her to promote her craft as much as they might want her to handle their prized possessions. The world is taking notice. She's been selected as a judge at Pebble Beach and the Cavallino Classic, and she's been to Goodwood. The road is open for her. And today she talks about her passion for the brand, her favorite projects, the meaning of Ferrari, and how she got to where she is today. Our first celebrity mechanic is on Cars and Culture. Hey, I'm Victoria Bruno, and this is Cars and Culture with Jason Stein. Any Ferrari owner out there who's, would, of course, know her name, uh, primarily not to uh, merely meet her, but to have her work on their vehicle, I, I would say, more than anything else. Uh, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the program, Victoria. Welcome in to Carson Culture. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Well, we're happy to have you, and we're going to get into your your story of uh, not only breaking down barriers and pursuing a dream job, but also just what you're working on these days. Let's let's start with there. What what exciting project are you working on as a Ferrari mechanic? Sure. So um, we are very privileged at the shop to be able to have quite an eclectic mix of vintage Ferraris. Um, we have one technician that uh, solely works on the newer cars, um, but for the most part, everybody else uh, specializes in the carbureted Ferraris. So everything from 330 GTCs, 275s, 250s, um, and we do a pretty solid, I'd say 50-50 mix between uh, service and then full Pebble Beach Concours level restoration. And are you busier now at this time of year than you would be at other times of the year? Or is it just a constant flow? I think... 
Encore circuit um, certainly affects our uh, the rate at the shop, but for the most part, I would say we're always quite busy. Not like those post-Christmas, oh, I got a Ferrari for Christmas, now I need to fix it, right? Exactly. There's always something to do. Excellent. Let's start off with why. Why Ferraris? Why Why are you, why Why this, this passion for uh, vintage automobiles such as a Ferrari, which I know sparked uh, a fire in you at an early age, but why not Porsches? I think the Ferrari mark is the best representation of passion, engineering, and poise. Back in the day um, at the Ferrari factory, they were pouring castings at their foundry um, to make engines without assigned chassis numbers, solely for experimental purposes, to try something new, to try and be the best they could be, um, just because they could, because it was a passion. Um, and I, you know, plenty of other wonderful marks out there, but for me, um, Ferrari is truly the best of the best. And is that a feeling that you've always had? I know you, you, you grew where you grew up had a huge influence on your interest in vintage cars and culture, frankly, raised in, in LA, uh, you know, it's driving season all year round and you're spending a lot of time in traffic, Absolutely. but yeah, how did, how did that, how did that all develop? So, um, like you said, I've been born and raised in Los Angeles, and I spent a lot of time in LA traffic, staring out the window, entertaining myself by uh, trying to acknowledge what cars had what powertrain, um, what engine in them, and I became obsessed and infatuated with the vintage cars. And it, um, from a very very early age, I um, expressed my interest and my love and my desire to work on these types of cars. But my family never was bitten by the automotive bug. Nobody in my family um, shared that same passion. So I don't think they really understood it when, um, you know, they were hearing a four-year-old say they wanted to learn how to change engine oil and um, uh, rebuild a motor. Um, so it was just more of a secret hobby that I kept. And I was solely on the enthusiast side, always admiring for the most part, all vintage cars, of course, Ferraris. Um, but at the time, everything was sort of equal in my eye and equal level of infatuation. And then um, the interest in uh, pursuing a career specifically uh, restoring vintage Ferraris um, developed about two years ago when I uh, started my time at McPherson College. But let me go back to one thing you said. You said that nobody sure. was really interested as a, you were in a car-centric family, but your grandfather mm -hmm. drove a 66 Mustang. So, I mean, he had some taste in cars. Sure. Um, I think he certainly uh, loved it and loved the power, loved the style, um, but he wasn't the one working on it. Um, and I think being on the enthusiast side, um, while you still have that passion there, it's very different from, I think, the passion that drives you to wrench on those types of cars. So what was your first memory of wrenching on a vehicle? What, what, how did that develop, that, that piece of it? Because uh, male or female, young or old, I mean, that, that comes from somewhere. And where did that come from for you? So believe it or not, my first time wrenching on a car was not until I had already enrolled at McPherson College and had started um, 
my, with my very first class, which was engine rebuilding. So prior to my time there, I had no automotive experience or knowledge, um, just a passion and, and, and enthusiasm for the industry. And what led you to McPherson College? And, and maybe give the listener a little bit of an overview of McPherson for those who are uh, un, uninitiated, as they say. Sure. So um, McPherson College is the only four-year university in the United States where you can earn a Bachelor of Science degree in automotive restoration. Um, it's one of one. It's um, semi-difficult to get into. They only accept about 30 students a year. And it is truly uh, a hub um, located in McPherson, Kansas, central Kansas, where there are... Um, uh, about 150 students in the program, all like-minded, um, all with a true heart and a true passion for vintage cars. And um, as far as my interest in attending the school, we might need to circle back to uh, the beginning of, of sure. the story a little bit more. Um, so like I said, I didn't have anyone in my family that was interested in the automotive industry or had any hands-on experience. Um, and I wasn't really encouraged. And I think partially that's become because I came from a very traditional family where boys were boys and girls were girls, if you were, um, or if you will. Um, but uh, part of that is also um, me just sort of, you know, accepting that state and not really having the vocabulary to protest it at such a young age. So from a young age, my goal was to always um, move to the middle of nowhere and learn myself how to how to restore classic cars because I wasn't grandfathered in and um, I was sort of subject myself to stereotyping the industry thinking you could only be, become a mechanic if you sort of grew up doing it um, and trade schools and tech schools as fantastic as they are they're straight shots in um, into dealerships working on modern cars and that never quite fit the bill so I had this route in my mind as far as what my path was going to look like. And it wasn't until the pandemic hit that I had some time to reflect and kind of realize um, how unhappy I was with my chosen path. And I asked myself one question, and it was whether or not I have the expertise to do so or the knowledge to do so, and whether or not I get paid for it or not, what is it genuinely that I want to be doing all day, every day. And it was restoring classic cars. So um, previously I had done a few Google searches looking for car schools, but nothing again, like quite fit the bill. So I switched my search this time to automotive restoration school. And that was when McPherson College came up. And what did mom and dad say? Oh, I mean, it was Victoria. She has, she's always had that sort of little hobby, but Nobody ever took it seriously. So I think my family for, you know, the nine months leading up to uh, my start date wasn't necessarily sure if I was going to go through with it. And, you know, it wasn't until a couple weeks before when I had all the arrangements made, you know, I had uh, sort of walked in my tuition and um, was moving forward that they realized that it was my reality. They thought, God, she's actually going to do it. Yeah, but I think I think um, for them because they're so 
not yeah i mean i i, th- I think it's kind of you're, you're kind of a car person or you're not they're they're really it, it's pretty black and white to some degree and they're very much very much not car people so i think it was a little difficult for them to understand why somebody would have a passion for it but once they realized um how strong that enthusiasm really was then they of course were very supportive and they didn't know that you were actually watching YouTube videos as a as a hobby on the side and Googling information about cars regularly, right? Correct. <laughs> yeah. You were doing in LA. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you you pick up and decide during COVID, actually, when when the pandemic hit, correct? Mm-hmm. That this university called McPherson College will teach you how to restore cars, as you said, Bachelor of Science in Automotive Restoration. But you're you're a junior at this point. Correct. You were studying something else. Yes. So I had um, completed two years of just general education requirements at community college on the off chance that I ever did want to go back and complete a degree. But um, I wasn't too sure. I wasn't really set on because I wasn't passionate about any of the um, subject matters at community college. um, I didn't. I, I didn't move forward. So I said, you know what, I'll go halfway on the off chance that I do ever want to go back. First impressions when you got there? McPherson? Well, I grew up in a city with 8 million people. <laughs> and without ever having visited Kansas, I committed to two years to living in a town with a population in the busy season of about 13,000 people. So... You're not it in was LA very anymore. no, um, <laughs> yes, correct. Um, so I think I just dove headfirst and embraced it for everything that it is, and um, really, I think kept myself busy with my studies um, again because I was starting with a completely clean slate. Um, so I, I had a lot to catch up on to be up to speed sort of with where the other students were at with their hands-on skill set. Um, but it was incredible. Um, probably the best decision I've ever made is moving to McPherson. And can you talk a little bit about being the recipient of a rather prestigious Piston Foundation scholarship? How did that come to pass? Sure. So um, I think McPherson College has quite a weight on their shoulders. They are responsible for the next generation of automotive restorers. Um, They are the ones that are educating them, allowing them to develop their skill set, but also providing them with opportunity. So it was initially through um, the school that I found out about the scholarship opportunity with the Piston Foundation. And um, I the the foundation, the, the mission statement, the goals really resonated with me because they care so much about the collector car industry and uh, protecting it and preserving it and um, making sure the next generation of restorers are supported. Um, So that way this industry, this incredible industry um, that reflects kinetic art and so much passion, uh, protecting that for future generations. Um, so it was a true honor to uh, have been a recipient of of um, uh, of that scholarship, um, and also too um, to be able to to be able to earn a bachelor of science degree takes a lot of work, but it also takes a lot of money 
So to have that financial assistance was certainly um, a huge relief as well. So interestingly, you right after graduation, uh, which was how many years ago? This, uh, this past May, May of 2023. Right. You joined Patrick Otis Company as a vintage Ferrari mechanic. And now how did that come to pass? And by the way, how many other women were you working next to? Zero. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, we, can, we can circle back to that subject later, but I'll answer this question. Um, I, Patrick Otis is an incredible Ferrari mechanic. He has over five decades of experience. He trained under Al Francis, Stephen Griswold, and um, he's been under his own his own shop for the last forty so or years, um, forty years or so. And um, if you're in the vintage Ferrari industry, or if you own a vintage Ferrari, you know who Patrick Otis is. So um, I, of course, had known the name and known the work, and had a huge. Uh, passion for vintage Ferraris and also had made the decision that I wanted to go into the mechanical side of the restoration industry. So um, I wish it were more elaborate than this, but I just gave him a phone call. I was going to be in sort of in the area for Monterey Car Week. And I said who I was, what school I attended. And um, he was incredibly kind and welcoming and said, you know, come on over, ask as many questions as you want to stay for as long as you want. And I showed up, we chatted, we got along great. Um, I chatted with his son, Tatio, as well, who um, works there. And um, I ended up staying for about five hours. They asked me maybe an hour or so in, hey, do you want to assemble these 225 sport heads? And I said, sure. And so I went ahead and assembled them. And the next question was, hey, what are you doing after you graduate? So um the rest, I, was the rest was history yeah so i graduated and then uh immediately began um working as a full-time vintage ferrari mechanic and no two days in the office so to speak are the same um and, and let's go back to what you said a moment ago you only work on the mechanical side of the restoration in the shop and correct I mean, for those who don't know that's either related to drivetrain engine brakes so you can be working on anything at any one time. And every project I'm guessing with vintage Ferraris is challenging in its own way. Sure. I mean, I think that's part of why I love what I do so much is because there's always something new. And granted, some cars have some repeat problems. So it is nice to be able to develop that sort of familiarity to be able to diagnose issues. But at the same time, something my boss says on the daily basis is I never go a, a week without having learned something new. And he's been doing this again for over five decades. I'm pretty green. Um, I've only been doing this full time for six months, but not a day goes by where I don't learn something new or see something new. And to know that in 50 years that will still be the case is um, really what inspires me and uh, fulfills me. Are there any challenges that you've met that you didn't think could possibly occur yet? I mean, oh, I know of you worked on a, on a 365 GTB four Daytona engine, right? You, you, you mm -hmm. rebuilt one of those. I mean, let's, let's give people a real day in the life. How <laughs> detailed does this get Victoria? I'm guessing fairly detailed. 
Sure. I mean, at the end of the day, an engine is an engine. A Ferrari engine is going to run, or an internal combustion engine is going to run the same as a small block Chevy does. It's the same principles, if you will. So if you have a solid foundation, um, I think that's what is really going to get you through it. If you run into an issue, you always go back to the basics. Um, with this 365 motor, for example, um, it's it's been a ton of fun to be able to see all of the wear and all of the damage. Um, this car had a water pump failure, so there was water all through the combustion chambers, um, which is... Um, for those of you who don't know, not where water is supposed to be in your engine. Um, so not only was everything seized together, um, but as far as analyzing issues for the rebuild and um, figuring out, you know, what type of new pistons we should have made, what type of valves we should have made, um, sort of what direction we should go in, um, that is incredibly exciting but it's also um a collaborative effort you know i'm surrounded by masters of their craft i'm i'm the rookie if you will but they've been so welcoming and so encouraging nobody is above one another everybody um is always willing to um ask one another for help um, because they're they're also trying to be the best they can be so it's nice to be surrounded by such a passionate group how many people work at patrick otis five of us it's a pretty wow. small group yeah so you Very walk in group. and um it feels pretty quiet for the most part but everybody's you know busy in their space working away and how much traffic does patrick otis get on a regular basis i'm guessing you're probably booked up for the next couple of years aren't you yeah i mean like i said earlier we're really privileged we really get to pick and choose what jobs we want to do um like I said, I'm really passionate about the carbureted cars. I also really love the early four-cylinder Lampretti motors. So um, when we have, you know, 20 people calling in, um, it, really Patrick turns to us and says, you know, what is it that you want to work on out of all of these projects? So it's nice to be able to um, be selective in that sort of way. Wow. So you pick and choose too. Amazing. You've also... Um have experience Victoria as an apprentice judge at Pebble beach. And we've had Sandra button on this program. We've had other, we've had mm -hmm. Jay Ward, who's a judge. We, I mean, there's a long list of folks who've been on the show who are judges. What was that like for you to be an apprentice judge? How did, how did that happen? So I was lucky enough to be the recipient of the Jules and Sally human scholarship that Pebble beach offers every year to, um, students passionate about automotive restoration. And with that, I was allowed to visit Monterey Car Week and participate in a few activities, but also be an apprentice judge on the show field. And I was lucky enough to um, go along and be a part of uh, the Ferrari class, um, the GT class for that specific year. Um, I should also note it was my very first Concours event ever. So kind of similar wow. to having never been to a football game and then your first your first one being the Super Bowl. That's how it is um, going to Pebble <laughs> Beach, you know, for your first yes. Concours event. It's really um, the best of the best. It's the biggest, most prestigious car show in the world. So I went in um, with no expectations. Um, I studied as much as I could and was, you know, really just happy to be there. 
But that experience allowed me to develop a huge passion for judging and all that comes with it. So understanding the history, the provenance, the design, the engineering, um, and seeing the execution of all of those things come together, um, all of that, and then also being around other people, other judges that share that same passion and being able to connect with them and become a part of this community was such an incredible sort of indescribable experience, but it certainly um, made me reevaluate my goals. I want to be the go-to Ferrari or vintage Ferrari restore in the United States, but it also um, made me want to contribute to the Concours industry to the best of my ability through judging, but also through making sure that these cars are used and preserved and um, that the legacies can continue on for the next generation. After the break, I'll continue my conversation with Ferrari influencer and mechanic Victoria Bruno. And to see my interview with Victoria, go to the Cars and Culture YouTube channel, like and subscribe to see more than 135 interviews and more than a thousand videos. The automobile is one of the most important inventions that revolutionized the modern world. In America, the rich history of car culture runs deep as technology continues to shape the future of the industry. Jason Stein is here to share the stories of people passionate about cars, from industry leaders and innovators to car-obsessed celebrities. Buckle up as Jason takes you inside the boardroom, onto the track, and around the bend on Cars and Culture on Sirius XM Business Radio. Welcome back to Cars and Culture. I'm your host, Jason Stein. Good to have you back with us. Now the continuation of my conversation with Ferrari influencer and mechanic, Victoria Bruno. To watch my interview with Victoria, go to the Cars and Culture YouTube channel. Like and subscribe to see more than 135 interviews and more than 1,000 videos. Let's talk about the culture of automotive restoration. Let's talk about what automotive restoration, how important that is today especially the way cars are changing and even automotive restoration within a brand such as Ferrari. What does it mean to you? What's the culture of that? If I can ask you the question here on cars and culture. That's a heavy one. Um, Take a what minute. does it mean? I mean, <laughs> I, I always like to say vintage cars, classic cars, they provide a very visceral experience when you're driving them even when you're looking at them. But they were created at a time when driving wasn't about getting from point A to point B. It was about getting in your car and having an experience. And with that, I see these cars as possessing a soul, possessing access to a time that no longer is. And now when you step into a modern car, you know, you're just getting from point A to point B, you have a very specific purpose for why you're getting in that car. And you know, you've got your life to live and um, you've got to go to the grocery store and execute that job and yada, yada. Um, so I think part of why it's so important um, to, to preserve uh, or protect this industry is because of the history and the provenance uh, the provenance involved with what I've just mentioned about that experience. And I think um, it's that specific element um, is special to everybody across the board, whether or not you're a hands-on technician or whether or not you're just a Ferrari fan. Um, I think that's something that all people will be able to relate to. 
you you really are the um you really are preserving what's there as you said mm-hmm. and also digging into the final finer details uh the componentry um i know you've mentioned this before but bears repeating for those who haven't seen it the that what you've said the plating should be on the throttle linkage what carburetors the engine should have the ignition coils you love all of those finer details don't you sure well i think with the the concord industry um and the importance of preserving these cars versus just making them look shiny and new is protecting that history for future generations and protecting the history means making those cars just as they were when they left the factory because sure we can overbore cylinders and get more power and do the whole nine yards but that's not what those cars were meant to do they were the pinnacle of engineering at the time and that's i think why they're so special is because they they represent um all of that heart and all of that engineering um so i think the least we can do um you know, as restorers is put our hearts and our souls um, into all of the details necessary to make those cars uh, just as they were. You want to leave your mark here, clearly on the mark, if you will. <laughs> but you also want to be um, not, an, not an insignificant, uh, you, you have a, uh, let me say it the other way, you have a significant goal. You want to be the go-to mechanical restorer in the United States on vintage Ferraris, right? If you want your vintage Ferrari engine rebuilt, you want Victoria Bruno to do it. But you want something even bigger than that. You want to be a force. You want to contribute to diminishing the male-dominated bias in the industry and making it a safe space for all genders. And I know you're going to build a platform, you working towards a foundation. Tell me a little bit about that. Where does that come from? And how much progress have you made or do you need to make? Sure. Um, I think as a woman in a male-dominated industry, I am a subject to stereotyping. With that, I'm also subject to um, being in uncomfortable situations, situations that men in the industry don't have to uh, take take part in. Um, I also am consistently um, put in a position where I need to explain myself or validate my reasons. Uh, I need to justify my passion. Um, if a man my age said that he does what I do, the response is generally, oh, that's great. And and when I, when I, um, when I say what I do, I have to explain why. Um, And so I think uh, the first step in moving forward is normalizing women in this space. And um, that's, that's step one to acceptance is just letting us exist here without it being something that's strange. Um, But two, creating a culture of safety, um, of equality for all genders um, in the automotive industry. So I have a huge passion for normalizing uh, women in the space, but also being able to support all genders in the space. I wanna have a foundation that I'm actually working toward right now. Um, Hopefully uh, we'll be up and going in the next two years where I can provide financial support and opportunity for all people pursuing unconventional passions. Um, If, 
anybody wants to pursue something that's sort of deemed outside of their stereotype or outside of the box, I want to be able to help them see that through. I want to be able to normalize anybody and everybody, uh, whether they're interested in the automotive industry or not, uh, seeing their, their, their goals through. Are your mentors in the same space? Do you have mentors or, or, or those who you rely on to help you get to that place? And who are they? I do. Yeah. Um, I've had, um, I've been very fortunate to meet quite a few incredible people um, in the collector car industry um, and also just in the automotive industry in general through McPherson College. And I think um, they've always been um, incredible resources for information and knowledge um, as far as encouraging me to, you know, move forward with my, with my dreams. Um, I don't want to name names, so I, I won't fully answer that question. Um, but yes, I do have um, support and, and wisdom being shared with me from other people. And I imagine the support, yeah, th that support that you're getting because of what you're doing, because of who you are, comes in spades, right? Because you are still the um, anomaly among those who are typically in the industry. Is that correct? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, and getting to getting back to the foundation, what do you need to do to make that happen? What do I need to do to make the foundation happen? Um, well, I think I'm working toward it right now, um, being able to uh, connect with people on social media um, by sharing my own passion and uh, being able to get um, basically just letting other people know that, you know, they can follow their passions. I believe that the, the moment that I sort of chose my dream and chose to make it happen, the moment I created a goal and started working toward it was when everything fell in line for me. Um, so step one has been sharing that with other people to let them know now that they can choose themselves, that they can choose their goals um, and not to give up on their dreams. Um, you know, that it's, it's never too late. I went back to school. And that's when everything happened for me. You know, it, it didn't happen at a traditional sort of college age. Um, step two is getting all of the paperwork in order. Um, and then step three will be launching. So 131,000 followers on Motori Bruno <laughs> on Instagram, for those of you who are who are wondering. So let's get let's get to the important um, world of Ferrari. Your top Ferraris, if you were to own, what would those be? Oh my goodness. If you were to pick, pick a few. Sure. I'll pick a few. Um, I'll pick a four cylinder motor, a 500 TRC. I'll pick a 250 short wheelbase. And I'll pick, I think, the ultimate road car, um, independent suspension all around, the first one that Ferrari ever did in the 275 GTB. And yeah. I would do a four cam, <laughs> just to okay. throw that out there. Okay. And Ingrid Bergman's 375. M oh, of course. Oh, my goodness. That car <laughs> is just, I, you can't even get me started on that one. And interesting, you, you like the Ferraris that are white or black. You don't necessarily, I mean, the red ones have their place, but you like sure. the other ones too, don't you? Sure. Um, 
yes i prefer the more eclectic colors um we had a, a 365 daytona at the shop recently that was bright yellow and it was gorgeous <laughs> i would i would own that one myself interesting you have not been to the mila mila milia but you have been to the goodwood revival last fall yes so yes what- the car culture like at the Goodwood Goodwood Revival and how did it compare to what you experienced at Pebble Beach? Um, They are just two completely different um, events. I I think Pebble Beach is incredible. You're able to see some of the most gorgeous, um, powerful vehicles all sharing the lawn together. Um, You're able to truly admire their beauty and their elegance. At Goodwood, you get to see these cars used on a track. You have hundreds of thousands of people all coming together for the love of racing um, at Goodwood. And so it's it's hard to compare them because they're so different. Um, I think Goodwood is probably the most... um, uh, it's the the car event that is the most sort of spectator savvy if that's the right way to put it where they really you know whether you're a huge racing fan or you're just there to hang out with some friends they really gear the event toward the spectator and making sure that they have an incredible experience um and also the whole event is integrated into the track so there's always time to go see a race there's always you're always hearing what's going on um and you're really immersed in that time that no longer is. Um, you know, you dress in your sort of post-war garb and um, enjoy a beer while you watch some racing. And Pebble is more about um, uh, taking in taking in the elegance and taking in the beauty and taking in the quality of the restoration. Yeah, that's so true. What a, what a good way to characterize all of it. What do you want to go to that you've not been to? Oh, I would love to go to the Mille Miele. Uh, or sorry, Amelia. Um, I would love to get more into vintage racing and doing uh, trackside service in preparation. So I would love to do the Le Mans Classic and Monaco um, and participate in those types of events. Have, are you a racer too? I would love to be, but not yet is how I'm going to phrase it. Oh, okay. um, ho- hopefully one day. Yes. Okay. All right. Let's talk about the collector car hobby uh, as it stands today. What do you think about where we are with collector cars? And related to that, well, no, I'll wait on that second question. Let's start there. Okay. What do I think of the collector car industry today? Um, I think I think we've come such a long way in the quality of the restoration. I think in the 70s, 80s, um, Restoring cars was really about making them look shiny and new again. It wasn't about going back to the factory standard um, and how those cars came off of the assembly line. So I think it's evolved to a very um, accurate place. And I think that's something that personally I really value. Um, I value those imperfections. I value, you know, not seeing that chrome plating everywhere, but, you know, seeing that mixture just as it was um, and appreciating those imperfections. Um, How I would like to see the industry change. I would love to see events geared more toward driving your cars or Concorde events, I should uh, 
I should um, uh, specify more toward driving the cars. I think those cars were meant to be used. Um, and so they've been restored. They're ready to be driven. Um, hydraulic systems function the best when they're, when they, when they're used. So, you know, why not, why not use it? Why not get it out on the road, get it out on the track and, um, not just protect it in a museum or, um, in a garage, but really take in those experiences. Okay. So the second part of my question was going to be perhaps an obvious one, <laughs> but your thoughts on electric vehicles and where we are today. Sure. Um, it's just going to make your job that much more meaningful and uh, impactful and attractive for more people. Sure. I think they have their place. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing the advancements that come in the next decade and the next 20 years. But like you said, I think it makes what I do just that much more special to me because it's something that's becoming obsolete. So that just means um, it's something that needs to be protected and uh, preserved for the next generation. Yeah, agreed. Okay, a few final questions here, Victoria. Uh, your current daily driver and dream daily driver. Oh my goodness. Well, my current daily driver is a diesel Jeep Wrangler Unlimited. <laughs> um, and I love it. it. It's one of those where, you know, I said modern cars, they get you from... The <laughs> exactly, they get you from point A to point B. Um it's nice and safe and it's a good time and I can tow. Um, so that's always helpful. Um, but as far as my daily driver goes, I'm a sucker for vintage rally cars. Um, I love a, a Lancia Delta Integrale. Um, I also, you know, would love a Cadillac CTSV wagon or a Porsche, mm. you know, uh, GT3. Um, it, the, the what would my dream daily driver be question sort of that that answer changes every day so ask me tomorrow and it will be something different <laughs> and with the stuff that pops into the shop do you just do you just kind of wander by it and go wow one day sure i mean luckily it's sort of a perk of the job um you know cars come into the shop for a reason they have an issue so part of that diagnosis is driving it and figuring out what's wrong and then driving it again after I've solved the problem, just to make sure that the issue has been resolved and I can, that the car is safe and ready for the customer. So um, it's such a privilege to be able to get a taste of these vehicles just in that sort of sense. Um, and yes, absolutely. I would love to be the owner of quite a few in, in the near future. Um, but for right now, I don't feel like I'm missing out because I, that desire is kind of satisfied on a daily basis. And how complicated are some of these vehicles that come in? I mean, for the, uh, for, for those who aren't aware, I mean, is are Ferraris more complicated than other vehicles? And maybe that's an unfair question because you're not working on other vehicles, but you do know the level of complexity that you're working with. Sure. They're complex. Um, I think a huge difficulty too is um, you're dealing a lot of times with parts that are irreplaceable. So how do you fix something? that's broken and you can't find a replacement. You have to really think outside the box as far as how to not just find a solution, but how to restore something that, you know, doesn't exist anymore. So I think that's where the difficulty comes in, um, not necessarily in operations, but in um, protecting and fixing and rebuilding. 
Yeah, wonderful. What do mom and dad think of where you are today? What's the latest dialogue back at home? They're proud. I think they still, um, you know, I'll start talking about some projects at work. Um, and they just sort of smile and nod and, you know, are grateful that I'm loving what I'm doing. But as far as, you know, understanding how a carburetor works, well, they're not too interested in figuring that one out. <laughs> <laughs> and if you weren't doing cars, what would you be doing? I mean, rocket engines? Is that Would that have been the alternative? Oh, I don't even know. Um, I don't, if, if it, if it wasn't this, I don't think it would be anything else. Wow. Yeah. You just turned 30 recently. How did you celebrate? Did you wrench on something in the, at the shop that you hadn't wrenched on before? (laughs) Well, luckily that gets to happen frequently anyway, even when a, a large birthday isn't involved. Um, but no, I did, I did have a 500 TRC cake commissioned to celebrate so wow um that was that was a fun one i would say that was the celebration and then just got to see some loved ones so what will you be doing at age 40 what's the dream by 40 oh well i would love to you know have executed those goals that i talked about earlier be the go-to vintage ferrari mechanical restorer in the united states Uh, my foundation up and running and hopefully changing lives. Um, I would love to, you know, have a few Ferraris of my own, but ultimately I just want to be wrenching all day long. So I don't see that ever changing. Wow. What a great story. Uh, perfect for cars and culture and happy belated birthday, but thank uh, you. Appreciate it. Thank you for being on the program. We'll be following your career very closely, Victoria. And once again, you can find her, you can find Victoria Bruno at Motori Bruno, the M-O-T-O-R-I-B-R-U-N-O on Instagram. 131,000 followers, probably 132,000 by the time the program airs, not more. But thank you so much for being on the program. What a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again to my guest today, Ferrari influencer and mechanic, Victoria Bruno. To watch my interview with Victoria, go to the Cars and Culture YouTube channel. Like and subscribe to see more than 135 interviews and more than 1,000 videos. I'm your host, Jason Stein. Thanks for listening to Cars and Culture. We'll see you down the road.